friends, we can all listen to the sunny side of sports. Great show, bro. This is sunny side of sports. Right here on the Voice of America. Voice of America. Sporty greetings to all our Voice of America listeners. This is VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. Welcome to the August 31st edition of the sunny side of sports. Let's kick off with women's football. The United States four-time Women's World Cup champions will host Nigeria in two upcoming high-profile friendly international matches. The first game is this Saturday, September 3rd, in Kansas City, Kansas. And the second game is three days later, September 6th, here in Washington. Nigeria's American coach, Randy Waldrum, has invited five players on the country's under-20 team for the friendlies. For reaction, Iron Mike Mbonye spoke with African women's football analyst Jennifer Okoye. Well, for me, I would say that uh, I didn't see so much uh, changes, uh, rather a surprise from uh, what I have seen from the list uh, of players, 26 players shortlisted by Coach Waldrop. What I was actually expecting from him is to take at least 10 players from that under uh, 20 uh, players. They did so well despite the fact that they got out at the quarterfinals and they just concluded the under 20 women FIFA World Cup. And and uh, if you look at the five players that, 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 that has been included, uh, we are looking at we are talking about uh, the centre-back captain that is Blessing Olua Tosin. We also have the right-back Jumoke Alani, left-back Rofia Timuran and midfielder Deborah Abiodun and also the one person that I would say, say that impressed me so much that is included uh, in this list on this list is actually Esther Onyedezie. She did so well uh, and she was one of the players that after they were knocked out uh, by Netherlands uh, that very uh, day, she was so devastated. And I don't think uh, I am impressed with uh, just five players from that under 20 going to the on the senior team that is the Super Falcons of Nigeria. I think I think uh, Coach Waldrum should actually uh, do better. Some Nigerian football analysts think that some players of the Super Falcons should be dropped. Why new players be used to replace them? What's your take on this? Truth be told, uh, we have a lot of players in that Super Falcons that should by now have said, bade their goodbye to the national team. You cannot be there forever. No, there are younger ones that are coming, coming up. Give them the room. Allow them to come in and try their luck. You know, if you ask me, I think half of that team or even more than half of that team of the Super Falcons should go. They should drop. I mean, they've, they've done a, a whole lot for Nigeria. They've brought a lot of uh, glory and laurels to Nigeria. But it's high time. It's really high time that the younger ones should be given the opportunity. And if you ask me, I think this is the best time for Coach uh, Randy Waldrum to really try as much as he can because this is when he can really assemble these girls and then try to groom them very well before the World Cup next year. We have a lot of old players in the current squad of the Super Falcons. I will not mention names because if I do that now, they will say, Jennifer, Jennifer did this one or Jennifer did that one. But I am just saying, we have to let so many players go from that team and start building up again. Start building up again for a future squad that will bring a lot of glory to this nation. 
these players, they have done so well. I must give it to them. They have really done so well for the Shiba Falcons of Nigeria. And as far as football for women, national, sorry, international football for women is concerned, they have really served Nigeria very well. Do you think the Super Falcons should be overhauled for better performance in the FIFA Women's World Cup and other engagements? At the end of it all, I don't think they can get more than 10 players from the current squad of the Super Falcons and then beef them up with the under 20 players. These players, they are very hungry. They are still, they are very hungry. They want to impress. They want to do everything to impress everyone, everybody, to bring glory to Nigeria. So for me, I think the best thing to do is really a, a total overhaul or overhauling of that team. We still have a, a good number of them. Uchekano is there, still quite young. Rashidata is there, very young. Uh, I, I can go on and on. I can mention their names. Monday Gift, you know, we can go on and on. But for me, at this point, some players should just take a huge bow. We are very grateful for what they have done for Nigeria. Nobody can dispute the fact that these ladies have brought a lot of glory to Nigeria as far as women football is concerned. And nobody can actually um, try to argue the fact about the, the, the women teams in Nigeria. They have brought a lot of glory to Nigeria more than the men. They have done so well. So, Coach Wardrum, you need to sit down right now and then try to do your mathematics do it very very well and then bring in young legs young players that can really go and fight for this gold fight for the trophies we have not really we've not we've never gone uh, beyond the, the quarterfinals in the world cup maybe if he gives this young lads this opportunity maybe some level of Improvement might actually occur. Even if it doesn't occur, it's a build-up. Build-up, build-up, build these girls and get them to the extent that they are ready to go anytime, any day. That's Jennifer Okoye, an African women's football analyst. And she spoke with Iron Mike Mbonye on the telephone from Inugu, Nigeria. Sporty greetings. This is Randy Waldrum, coach of the Super Falcons of Nigeria. You're listening to the sunny side of sports on the Voice of America. The Council of Southern Africa Football Associations has kicked off its annual women's championship in South Africa. The 12-team tournament will go through September 11th. Now, two of the favorites for the trophy are the host team, Banyana Banyana of South Africa and the Copper Queens of Zambia. The South African ladies are bidding for a record-extending eighth Kasafa trophy. And both South Africa and Zambia have qualified for the 2023 Women's World Cup to be jointly hosted by Australia and New Zealand. In Wednesday's opening match at the Kasafa Women's Championship, Mozambique routed Mauritius 5-0. I watched some of the game on the FIFA Live video stream, and there were only a few fans at the Nelson Mandela Bay Stadium in South Africa. This is the voice of America, Washington, D.C. More African women's football news 
Uganda's crested cranes were eliminated after the group stage of the Africa Women's Cup of Nations tournament in Morocco. The Ugandan women lost to Senegal 2-0 and were beaten by host Morocco 3-1 and Uganda drew 2-all with Burkina Faso. Magume Davis Rakawinj asked Uganda's former coach and captain, Majda Nantanda, about the performance of the Crested Cranes in Morocco. Uh, yeah, it's so unfortunate when you're rated with a, a group like the horse. But even us in 2000, we, are, we had South Africa in our group. But again, uh, I don't like, I wouldn't say like girls did not play. They, like these women played what they had to do. But I think all the errors we had were technical errors. And it's a very good experience for the Federation and all the technical team to learn from what they saw from Morocco, right from the team, organization, preparation, administratively, to come and correct. So because this is a promising team for these young girls and they have the future because most of them have gone through school, now they know that they even have a league. So it's not something that is going to stop like what used to happen to us. So they should come up and use the experience they got from Morocco and then help these young women and all women who are playing football in Uganda to see that we can be there consistently because we can. Mm. But in terms of quality, in terms of uh, what you see the girls, you think they are talented enough uh, to represent Uganda and even in future competitions perform even better? If they are taught how to play, we need to teach them. The Federation has to educate the coaches who coach these girls right from the grassroots. Because football, like when you look at our teams, they were clever doing it, they were talented, but they lack that training, like someone being taught to coach how to move, how to position yourself. It's not about running everywhere. You need some the, the understanding of the game. So it's more of, tech, that's why I say tactical. Uh, errors and it needs more of coaching education. We need to work more on the coaching education of women coaches in Uganda because if we don't develop that, of course you're not going to have players who are coached to come and perform at that high level. So that's what they lacked. But they are talented and they clever did it but technically and tactically not planned. Why do you think uh, women coaches or women officials would help much in promoting uh, women football in, 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 in Uganda and in Africa in general? Uh, it's just with experience because you can help with experience. But when it comes to men football, it doesn't matter whether a woman is teaching the players or is the coach or the man. But it's all about that person who understands the game better and even understands women better. Because women are emotional sometimes. So if he's not the head coach, at least the woman who even understands that and gone through that is better. But for me, I'm not the kind of saying it has to be coached by a woman, or a man, but I want it to be coached by that coach, but a top coach. The very best coach should be given to those women. And are you impressed with the way, uh, with the development of uh, football, women football in the country so far? That um, in the recent past, we've seen Uganda teams, the under teams, uh, perform regionally, uh, top, come on top, and uh, recently they won uh, Sikafa. Mm. Are you impressed so far with the development of uh, women football? Uh, I'm just impressed with everything how now people, t in, like Uganda at large, how now they have perceived and accepted girls to play sport, most especially football. So if parents agree their children to go and play sport, then all to play football and there's a parents who bring children, that is a very good development, okay? And now, like, all over Uganda now, unless when we used to play, we used to play with boys because we had no more, many girls to play with, but now we have girls' teams. So there's development on that, like, schools, the community, the parents, everyone has accepted that and they are doing their best to see that these girls play. Now, 
that is development and that. As a country, we are developing in that. I wouldn't put it on the federation. But again, if the federation get better structures and look at those girls who are from the community schools and see how they can give them the platform to play better, like good football, we will develop. And if we develop, I think we'll be better because we'll be the best because Uganda naturally we are talented. And, and finally, you've been a player. Yes. You've been a, a coach for yes. the national team and uh, you've done several other things. You've done charity. And now, and you, now you're currently a, a cuff instructor. Yes. How best would you want to be remembered in football? The legacy I want to leave behind is to see more women and girls, mentoring more women and girls who have played this game to become someone. I don't want like to be sinless capable. And again, people start thinking like then we are helped. We need. I want to see those women who have played football to be respected, to be given. Uh, positions administratively anywhere in football on merit not someone thinking I'm helping them to have this, no Take, put them on merit, so me it's all about mentoring, the legacy I want to leave behind is to mentor all those women who play football, in future to see that we are, we are there, they are talked about and we can feel that we are accepted as women playing football not just think that you are helping me to put me on the national team or give me an administrative post just because I'm a woman. Thanks very much for talking to me. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. That's Majda Nantanda, the former coach and captain of Uganda's national women's football team, the Crested Cranes. And she spoke with Magume Davis Rakawinj in Kampala, Uganda. Hello, listeners. My name is Majda Nantanda. I'm a former Crested Crane captain former national team Crested Green coach and now a calf coaches instructor. Listen to Sony Side of Sports on Voice of America. Hello, this is Heather Maxwell, host of Music Time in Africa. Join me every Saturday and Sunday for an hour of awesome African music. Like to stay on top of new music trends, breakout artists, new releases? Maybe you just love the classic styles and the artists of the past. Or simply the sound and feel of a good beat. Whatever your pleasure, you can get it every week right here on Music Time in Africa. So join me on your local FM station, Saturdays and Sundays at 1500 and 2000 UTC. Thanks, Heather. That's my VOA colleague, Heather Maxwell. And as the Voice of America celebrates its 80th year of broadcasting, this Music Time in Africa historical note It's the longest-running English-language program on The Voice of America. That's right. Music Time in Africa was founded by the late, great Leo the Music Man Sarkeesian in 1965. And Heather Maxwell has certainly done a wonderful job as host in recent years. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington and you're listening to the sunny side of sports on The Voice of America. Just ahead, the AP's Gethin Coolbaugh 
on Spanish tennis star Rafael Nadal winning his opening match at the U.S. Open in New York. 22-time Grand Slam champion Rafael Nadal won his first U.S. Open match since 2019, beating Australian wildcard Rinky Hijikata 4-6-6-2-6-3-6-3 in the first round. Of course, excited to to play here. Uh, it's uh, one of the most important <laughs> places in my tennis career. Emma Raducanu's defense of her surprising U.S. Open championship ended with a 6-3, 6-3 loss to Elise Cornet. I mean, I think it was a pretty tough, tough match against a really experienced player. So, um, yeah, I mean, obviously disappointed to lose first round. But, yeah, I mean, credit to Elise. She played pretty well. Venus Williams has lost her first round match, the seven-time major champion losing to Alison Van Utvonk in straight sets. Tuesday's match came a day after her 40-year-old sister Serena Williams earned a spot in the second round Wednesday in what could be her final tournament. Definitely was an exciting, exciting evening and... Obviously, my hope is that there's more ahead for her at this tournament. Gethin Coolbot. Thanks, Gethin. Two-time U.S. Open champion Naomi Osaka of Japan also lost her first-round match in New York. Osaka was beaten in straight sets 7-6 and 6-3 by American Danielle Collins. At the post-match news conference, Osaka was asked how the loss compares to other early-round exits she's had. <laughs> Um, I'm not really sure. I feel like I lost in the first round of France, too. So um, this year hasn't really been a great year, but um, I think it, it was just special to play on Ash. Like, um, I think a lot of players would die for that opportunity and um, for the tournament to let me still play on that, even though I'm unseated. Um, I, I'm very thankful, so... Both Naomi Osaka and Danielle Collins traveled to New York after injury plague seasons. Osaka has been bothered by a back problem, while Collins withdrew from three recent tournaments because of a neck injury. Collins says her previous matches against Osaka helped her gain some insights into how to win Tuesday night. You know, like I said, I lost to Naomi three times before so going into the match I had a lot of information on what I kind of needed to do better and areas I could improve um and I think I did those things um and played overall pretty well um I got lucky in some big moments um but I was working really hard for the points she wasn't giving me a ton of free ones an update now on the women's national basketball association playoffs semifinal action resumes later Wednesday night with games in Las Vegas, Nevada, and Chicago, Illinois. In Chicago, the defending WNBA champion Chicago Sky will host the Connecticut Sun. The Sun won game one in the best-of-five playoff series, 68-63. to And in Las Vegas, the Las Vegas Aces are at home against the Seattle Storm. The Storm was victorious in game one. As we hear now from the AP's Jane Ferry. The Storm opened the WNBA semifinals with a stunning 76-73 win over the Aces in Las Vegas. Jewel Lloyd scored Seattle's final six points to finish with a game-high 26. She made a go-ahead free throw with 116 to play, then a jumper for a three-point lead with 34 seconds remaining. I know that 
Um, I've read those situations a lot and um, I feel good when I get to my side and rise up and I can live with that result. Brianna Stewart had 24 points and six rebounds for the fourth seeded storm. These games against Vegas have been tough all regular season and previous seasons. Um, and we have a lot of respect for their players and what they do. And we knew that, you know, coming in here to, to their home court, we wanted to obviously try and steal one. We wanted to get one and get our momentum going in the right direction. Chelsea Gray scored 21 points for the top-seeded Aces, one more than Kelsey Plum. Yeah, we'd be better for game two. I'm Jane Ferry. Hi, I'm Kim Lewis. Join me and our panel of journalists as we discuss the top stories of the week, including President Biden hit the road with his Inflation Reduction Act now in place. He looks to boost the political fortunes of key Democratic candidates while persuading voters in swing states that they shouldn't back Republicans in the upcoming midterm elections. We'll examine this and more on Issues in the News this Saturday and Sunday on The Voice of America. sunny side of sports on Facebook and Twitter. My Facebook address is facebook.com forward slash VOA Sunny. And my Twitter handle is at VOA Sunny Sports. English Premier League football. And let's take a look at Tuesday's results. Crystal Palace and Brentford drew one all. And African players accounted for both goals. The Ivorian Wilfred Zaha scored on a spectacular strike in the 59th minute to put Crystal Palace up 1-0. But then a player from the Democratic Republic of Congo, second-half substitute Ioane Wisa, equalized for Brentford on a late goal in the 88th minute. Zaha said he was at a loss for words after the equalizer by Wisa. Zaha said, and I quote, just one lapse in concentration ruins all the hard work. Wilfred Zaha now has a total of four goals off to an excellent start in the English Premier League season. The Serbian Alexander Mitrovic scored his fifth goal of the Premier League campaign to help lead Fulham past Brighton 2-1. In other Premier League results from Tuesday, Southampton defeated Chelsea by that same 2-1 scoreline. Raheem Sterling had his third goal of the season for Chelsea. And Leeds and Everton drew one all. If you tuned in to Tuesday's sunny side of sports, you heard a feature profile from VOA's Gwen Uden on new Chelsea man Raheem Sterling. Gwen returns this evening with another feature on how Saudi Arabia is spending a lot of money 
to stage some recent high-profile sporting events. Sporty greetings, Gwen! Sporty greetings, Sonny. Saudi Arabia has reportedly spent at least $1.5 billion supporting and promoting a string of sporting events. The list includes the Live Golf Series, Formula One Racing, the Dakar Rally, and also the purchase of Newcastle United in Premier League football. Saudi Arabia has long been criticized for its controversial record of human rights violations, which has led to claims of sports washing. In this case, a term that describes a country that uses sports to clean up its image. Paul Brannigan is a senior lecturer with the Manchester Metropolitan University Institute. He believes sports washing could have an opposite effect and further stain Saudi Arabia's reputation. The washing part doesn't really equate to what really happens. So, you know, you look at, for example, more recently, the Saudi Arabian investment in the Live Golf Series. The criticism that drew from various sporting and non-sporting governing bodies If anything, it reminded audiences of Saudi's issues. So I've used the analogy before, if we're using sport to wash one's image, it's like washing your laundry in dirty water. It doesn't actually wash. If anything, it makes things even more dirty, if you like to to continue that washing analogy. But Brannigan adds Saudi Arabia's investment in sports could reap long-term positive benefits that far outweigh short-term negative publicity. It has a significant reserve of cash. It's now thinking, well, how can it spend this cash in a positive way? You know, investing more in military is not going to change the sort of macho perception of Saudi Arabia. So what else can they do? Well, you can invest in businesses. Yes, granted, and that will certainly get you return on investment economically. But they're not really the sort of things you see people talking about regularly if Saudi suddenly buys this company or X company or Y company. Sport is something that can offer these countries, particularly Saudi, something they don't already have. And that is cultural global exposure um, and an avenue into something which really taps into the, the soul and the emotions of an awful lot of people around the world. So no, I, I think this is, if, if you look at Saudi's strategic portfolio, The hearts and minds bit is the one thing they're really missing with international audiences. And like they've got their sort of, you know, golf counterparts, they will view this very much as what better way to try to win the hearts and minds of international publics than through investment in various global sports. Not everyone agrees. Minky Warden is the director of global initiatives at Human Rights Watch. She rejects the argument that hosting a major sporting event could lead to lasting change in Saudi Arabia. Brands and businesses want to be associated with sport because it's glamorous, it celebrates human achievement, um, it brings you big audiences. But on the other hand, brands must also recognize, and I'm thinking here of sponsors of major events, um, they have to recognize that associations with serious human rights abuses is very off-putting for fans. And we've had some interesting moments recently, for example, where Tiger Woods uh, has rejected a reported multi-hundred million dollar offer to join the Saudi golf 
enterprise. And I think there, this tells us an important lesson that athletes themselves are able to make a decision. I don't want my brand to be associated with human rights abuses. Is your brand benefiting from association with serious human rights abuses? Is there anything you could do as an athlete to advocate with the government to improve human rights conditions while you're there? And Warden says the country's investment in sports will not lead to reforms. So reforms are coming in Saudi Arabia due to the courageous and consistent pressure of women's rights activists, of journalists, of civil society leaders, of lawyers. So yes, change is coming and not a bit of it is due to major sporting events. The story that uh, hosting major sporting events will lead to human rights improvements is just that, it's a story. It's a narrative, it's a PR narrative, and uh, it's a step that many repressive governments around the world are taking instead of actually improving their human rights situation. According to Freedom House, Saudi Arabia is ranked among the worst countries on political rights and civil liberties. However, the Saudi government has repeatedly denied allegations of human rights violations within the country. And that is all for me, Sonny. Back over to you. Thanks, Gwen. That's my VOA colleague, Gwen Uden. And that wraps up the August 31st edition of the show. Thank you for tuning in. I get it. I'm VOA's Sonny Young in Washington. And that's the sunny side of sports. <laughs>